there is a new podcast coming to you live every week. Hollywood of Parenthood. Well, while parenthood is obviously one of the greatest joys that you could ever have, let's face it, kids are such a handful. And I have someone here that's a special guest to say hello. Hey, what's up? Yes, so you are embarking on the Hollywood of parenthood where we will have a great time and you will learn a lot of different tips and of course we have some special guests along the way so check us out Hollywood of Parenthood Hollywood of Parenthood. I'm your host, Dr. Mitchell, a parent, educator, business guru, licensed minister, community leader, and lover of positive things. I want your experience hearing this podcast to ignite hope, empower change, and provide new strategies to your parenting style. So welcome to Hollywood of Parenthood. Let's get started. Thank you, thank you, thank you so much for joining the podcast. Today we have a special guest, and her name is Julie Boyd Cole, and she is a mother of two sons, a journalist, a writer, a businesswoman, and a such of a person with a warm heart. She has written for the Miami Herald, the Fort Lauderdale Sun Sentinel, Yahoo.com divorcemoms.com among many other publications around the country. She is an author of How to Co-Parent with an Abusive Ex and Keep Your Sanity, which was Amazon bestseller for more than a year. She also has written a book entitled Dear Family Court Judge. And it is also available on Amazon.com. So without any further to do, sit back, listen to the podcast today because you will be enlightened on a very important subject of domestic violence during Domestic Violence Awareness Month.
Well, thank you to all my podcast listeners. I am so happy, but also um, what we're doing today is talking about a very important subject, which is domestic violence, which this month in October is dedicated to the awareness of domestic violence. I have a very, very special guest who has written two books to support and help those to understand about the severity of domestic violence as well as kind of coach and help you through. But before we get started, I do want to read a couple of stats that definitely validates about domestic violence and that it is true and it is happening. And that is national numbers. So the National Coalition um, of Domestic Violence Advocacy um, website with statistics, on average, nearly 20 people per minute are physically abused um, by an intimate partner in the United States. So during one year, that equates to more than 10 million women and men. Also, one in four women and one in nine men experience severe intimate partner physical violence from their partners. And also this includes stalking, um, such as injury, fearlessness, um, PTSD, and the use of, of victim services. And one in four women and one in seven men have been victims of severe physical violence, which is beating, burning, strangling in their lifetime. On a typical day, there are more than 20,000 phone calls placed to domestic violence hotlines nationwide. Women between the ages of 18 to 24 are most commonly abused by their intimate partners. 19% of domestic violence involves a weapon. And the last but not least, only 34% of people who are injured by their intimate partners receive medical care for their injuries. So without any further ado, I would like to welcome my guest, Julie Cole, who definitely knows a lot about this and also will enlighten us with her two books that she's written to support those that want to know more and those that are going through it. So welcome, Julie. How are you today? Hi, thank you. I'm I'm good. It's um, uh, it's a pleasure to be with you today. Although it is a very unfortunate and um, tragic subject matter, uh, I wish I I wish we didn't have to have a conversation about this. Um, but unfortunately, it, it it's in our society. It's it's actually running rampant. Yeah. Um, what did you think about some of the numbers that um, I shared? And were you already aware or is that some some of the information that is in 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 your books? Oh, yeah, no, it's you're, you're dead on with those um, statistics. Um, uh, you know, there, it, it's shocking when you think about one in four. Um, some even uh, think that it might be as high as one in three women and one in seven men have experienced 
um, some sort of abuse um, from an intimate partner. And that, that's, a, that's a very high percentage. There's another statistic that I have seen in my research is one in 10 um, men uh, be, have abused somebody in, their, oh, in wow. their romantic lifetime as an adult, right? And so, yeah. it, you know, it, it's an um, it's a, it's a, um, epidemic and it's really not just in America, it's, in the, it's really throughout uh, the world. And uh, it's, it's doing a lot of damage. Yeah, and it's so sad and unfortunate. Um, I know this is always like the burning question. So we're talking about these statistics and you know, domestic violence is just running rapid. Why do the victims stay? Like, mm. why do they stay in the situation? Usually right. that's, um, you know, having a conversation, you know, with coworkers or, you know, mm-hmm. just people in society, they say, well, well, they know this is happening. So why do mm-hmm. they stay? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a, that is probably the single most asked question of victims of domestic uh, abuse. And you know, it seems obvious to anybody who is not in a domestic abuse relationship or have never experienced it um, to ask, this makes no sense. Um, But it is, uh, uh, human beings in general are uh, very susceptible to manipulation. And it is a a form of that. Um, uh, The, you know, the victim is never, you know, if on the first date, if the abuser were to tell the victim hey you know in about a year i'm gonna strangle you you know <laughs> oh, wow. um, you'd go you'd go no i'm out you know um right. but it's a, um yeah. you know the the action or the, the the action of domestic um abuse and let's just say a physical but it can take all forms emotional financial psychological i mean there's all it uh, usually uh, somebody who is willing to physically abuse their intimate partner has already done um, you know all sorts of manipulations such as lying and gaslighting right. and so forth so it's a it's a um, it's a wheel you know of tools that they use um, but it is a reaction uh, almost always to a, an emotion that the abuser is feeling and that right. emotion is is uh, the result of anything and so um, but but a victim will very often feel that they can, uh, you know, they love this person. They're, they want to, you know, especially if they have children together, they, you know, there's, they're very much invested in making the family and the relationship work. And so, right. um, you know, there's a sense of hope that this is not a, you know, that this is not uh, indicative of their life for this person, but some sort of one off or two off or something like that. And yeah. then the other, the other real issue is is shame that creates um, delusion and denial, um, and uh, it is pretty, you know, that there are usually two types of victims, um, and this may be too broad of a statement, but you'll get the idea. You know, the the person who has it happen to them once and and immediately leaves the relationship and never goes back, and then the person who um, who tolerates it once and then is very susceptible to tolerate it again and again um wow. most and this of, and this sounds very sad um you know julie that someone would stay 
for those reasons. And it really sounds like, you know, kind of the economical situation where, you know, the abuser is is impacting with their finances or something of that nature um, to leave them. And that's why the person stays as well. Can you talk a little bit about that? Like, sure, um, sure. Sure. Well, I I can say that um, uh, the financial abuse comes in many different forms, and and um, but it but everything boils down to a couple of buckets, um, and so it's about power and control, and so the abuser wants to have the power on any given day, and wants control on any given day, and um, the way to achieve that. Um, over their partner can take many forms. One one abuser may not care about finances at all, and not care um, have you know that's not part of their toolbox. Um, mm. Another one may engage in having full control over the the their partner's finances. You know, um, somebody may not have access to a checking account and a debit card, for example. Um, and so, but the the general goal is to um, ex- the, the, the abuser wants the partner in their life so that they can exploit them mm. at any time. It's not a thought process. It's an instinct. And, okay. um, and an abuser is looking to have uh, total domination, total control of their partner when they want it, um, whatever right. given moment that may be. Okay. Wow. Well, thank you. I, I definitely have a, a different perspective with some of the things that you've shared and hopefully, you know, our listeners will will hear and know and have a different perspective. But I do want to kind of switch over to mm-hmm. one of the topics that we were talking about with your book, how to co-parent with an abusive ex and keep your sanity. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think anyone wants to sign up to be humiliated, to be taken advantage of, and certainly not disrupt in their their family dynamics. You know, people want to be at a peaceful state. And unfortunately, I've experienced this, you know, having to try to co-parent with someone that is abusive and someone that is reckless. Um, But could you share some insights or maybe like some steps and tools that the listeners can know how to co-parent with an abusive ex and and definitely keep your sanity. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I would have loved to have been able to write a book that says how to successfully co-parent with an abusive ex or how to (laughs) avoid having to co-parent with an abusive ex. Unfortunately, those are not um, really realistic in today's um, environment. Um, so today's environment is even in, in family court, which is a civil court as opposed to a criminal court. And family court um, is what rules custody and divorces and things like that. So um, family court uh, across the land and really, again, in most industrialized countries um, has been operating under a, um, a an idea that was really created uh, by the United Nations in in 1989, not to get too much in the weeds, but um, there was a a sort of sea change in thinking that 
uh, children had the right to be, you know, a human right to be parented by both their parents, even after divorce or, or separation or whatever. Um, it wasn't meant to be dealing with um, divorces, um, but it was uh, meant to deal with, you know, other things. So in any case, um, what uh, what these people did and, and, and meant that in today, if you're a physical abuser or emotional abuser um, has something to say to you or, or you leave them and, and um, now you've got a co-parent. Um, most people, most victims do not get to leave with their children and keep their abuser out of their lives forever. Most abusers are allowed to co-parent with their um, victims and because of the children and in many cases will have a 50-50 custody arrangement. As you can imagine, that makes it mm. very dangerous and difficult. And hence the rest of the title of my book as far as Keep Your Sanity. Um, I try to lay out in sort of a workshop manner the tips that a victim um, can use to try to do that because it's a long haul. Um, you know, it's mm. through the length until the until their youngest child is is 18, really. They have to figure out a way to stay sane while co-parenting with their abuser. In some cases, it's even as crazy as um, somebody who's never been married to their abuser and the child was a product of rape. And um, it can get very dramatic. Um, so, so this book is really more for those, not necessarily for those really dramatic cases, but for the ones where you know, a victim has decided to leave their abuser, take the children, and um, and now they've got to try to navigate this world without without going crazy. Yeah, and you you mentioned something that maybe some listeners out there may not even know, but someone that is a victim of rape has to co-parent with someone that has done a in so much of egregious act towards you and now you're forcing them to go over and over with this experience um, because you want them to legally co-parent with this criminal I mean either yeah. way it is a it's a crime yeah yeah well the victims rarely want to uh, you know well let me just back up a second um those cases are becoming more common where there have been a criminal charge of rape or sexual assault that has resulted in a child. And um, now the family court is pulled in for one reason or another, not, not typically, but the, the let's just say that um, uh, a lawyer has told a rapist that, hey, this may go better if you seek custody or if you seek joint custody of the child. It may go wow. better on your criminal case. And um, so those cases are the rarity. The more mm -hmm. common case is um, where a victim has been married or has been an intimate partner, meaning that they're, they're either living together or they're married. They're somehow a union and decide to leave their abuser with their children. Um, wow. And those are the way more common and um, of, the, of the pool of this tragedy. Um, when that happens, sometimes they can, they can get out and the abuser will leave them alone and never seek court action. 
Um, but oftentimes they've learned that, um, and it's usually because of a trigger of child support. That's usually what happens. And um, what's really sad, um, so it used to be that, you know, um, the victim would leave, they take the children, maybe they would, maybe they would try to disappear, maybe they would um, just move out and hope that that was enough. And, um, and then the, the abuser will um, maybe leave them alone. But then um, let's say the victim applies for food stamps um, or applies for some sort of um, Medicaid or some sort of uh, public support um, in their state. There are uh -huh. states in this country where they will receive that application. They'll see that there's an absentee father or mother and they will go after in court, in family court, the absentee parent for that back child support. That then triggers, um, oh, now wow. the abuser is connected with this and now realizes, well then, and many times an abuser will say, well, heck, if I'm gonna pay child support, then I'm gonna see the kid. And um, it's rarely a move by an abuser is really trying to, you know, um, ha establish a healthy relationship with their child or children. It's usually just a, a continued form of the power and control. And so um, what, what family court inadvertently has done is, is created a way for the abuser to get back power and control over their um, victim and, and children. And therefore all those tools come back into play and now um, emotional abuse, financial abuse, yeah, legal it abuse, comes all the other, yeah, comes back. Wow. And well, you, I know, you know um, yeah. and I, I know that you're in your book, outside from just having this tool of a book, I know you mentioned about educating yourself. How can listeners do that? Those that may be going through, you know, domestic violence and maybe adventuring onto, you know, co-parenting with an abuser. Yeah. Well, the first thing um, that anybody should do is grieve. Um, it, you know, really grieve for the loss of, you know, a childhood. You know, many victims want to give their children a perfect childhood. That's a loss. You know, maybe there was the dream of a perfect marriage or a perfect union there's a loss there but the grieving is a really healthy important thing but then um you know there there are many books uh there are many there are several there are many support groups uh facebook has support groups um there is uh articles galore on google um but it mm -hmm. but i would say that the more uh, a victim does the better because um, it, even though it's hard, oftentimes um, my book, for example, is hard for victims to read because it's it doesn't say what we want it to say, which is you don't have to co-parent with an, your abusive ex. That's what we want it to say. But it, it in in the United States, pretty much across all 50 states, that's what's going to have to happen. You know, there are very rarely times um, when you are not forced into co-parenting with your abusive ex. So, so learning about why it happens, um, learning not to, you know, victims of domestic abuse are not to blame. It doesn't matter 
what the circumstance, they are not to blame for it. Um, um, And that's, they've got to learn, a victim needs to learn about that. And it's, it's really critical because as a parent, that's the goal is to be your best parent despite this craziness. Yeah. And to help your children thrive and heal. You all need to heal. Victims and children need to heal from this. And it's very hard to heal when you're in the middle of trauma. And so um, it's important to build a support system. It's important to have good therapy, you know, trauma treatment therapy, good legal help, um, you know, good, good support in your community. All of that is hard to do because domestic violence has shame attached to it for the victim. So you got to learn how to shed that. I mean, it's a process and it takes a long time, but it's incredibly important because the goal is to be the best parent you can be for your children. Yeah. And that that's what it's all about. And, you know, here with um, talking about parenthood and just trying to get as much information and as many strategies, you know, and I like how you mentioned, you know, your toolbox as a parent, you know, it may not seem like the best at the end, but you're doing the best that you can. And so um, I would say, (laughs) yeah, I would say, you know, I'm so thankful that we were able to connect and, you know, bring, um, you know, shed some light um, to other parents that may be going through this. Um, and it is a um, very tedious and, and, and long haul, yeah. but you can get through it. Um, is there anything that you would say to the listeners um, as they're they're mapping through and maybe even just share how they can um, get in contact with you and where they can purchase the book? Sure, sure. Well, first of all, I mean, the message that I'd love to leave with your listener is that um, I was a, I survived domestic violence. Um, I survived family court abuse. Um, I, it, it was very long haul. Um, it was emotionally taxing on myself and my children, but my children are grown, they're thriving and, um, you know, we, we have our hiccups, we have our scars and we, we, we still have to address them on, you know, time to time, but, mm-hmm. but there is peace and joy and love again, um, after this experience. So, so hope is still there. Um, and I don't, I hope, you know, any of your victim, any of your listeners who happen to be victims, not to give up on hope. It's very easy to do so, but to try, it, you know, it, there's reason to hope. And the second message I'd like to leave for those who don't know about this is that um, domestic abuse and family court, there's a lot of assumptions and they're almost all wrong. Um, you know, we hear about these cases in the news and, you know, we hear about the fringe cases or the loud cases or whatever. But the truth is, is that, you know, look around when you're sitting in church, you know, you're going to see, you're going to see families. You're, you don't know it, but there are families there who are going through this. So keep an open mind if you don't know about this, please, because our children in this society need all of us to help with this. Um, it's one thing for the victim to have to go through it, but the children really have a tough road and um, it's, it, it's society is not geared to, to help them and we need to. Um, you know, in terms of my book, by all means, um, Amazon is my, my books are, uh, you can uh, 
you search my name, Julie Boyd Cole, and that can get you there. You can Google me. Um, but I'm also, if anybody wants to email me, they're happy to do so. It's julieboydcole at gmail.com. I am not, I am, I am just an advocate. I'm not a lawyer. I'm not a psychologist. Um, I'm a researcher. I'm a survivor. I'm a, a journalist. And, uh, and so I've shared what I found to get through it and all of the work that I did uh, research to get through it myself. And so I wanted to share that with others and, and I've done so. Wow. I wish I wish these these books did not have to exist. It's an yeah. incredible injustice. But well, I have to say is. you're doing a justice for those that do need it and may have to walk this this walk. And so I graciously just so appreciate your time and your your dedication with all the research that you've done. And I'm a fan. <laughs> yeah, I'm definitely a fan and I appreciate your time. And so thank you so much. We're going to sign off. And yeah, thank you. you and you're, certainly, welcome. you're certainly welcome back again. Anytime, anytime. I hope you enjoyed another episode of Hollywood of Parenthood with your host, Dr. Mitchell. Until next time, enjoy your superpower of parenthood. Superpower of parenthood.